the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. For those of you listening on Periscope, thanks for tuning in. The Pro-America Report, each day we cover what you need to know, what's going on, what you need to do. All of it happens right here on the Pro-America Report. And remember, you can go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, to track down exactly what is happening at all the interviews we do. Yesterday, we had Father James Altman on the show. Earlier in the week, we had uh, Ted Malik break some news on his story. And of course, uh, we had Sidney Powell last week, Selena Zito. A lot for you to see, and I uh, hope you will go ahead and uh, share it with your friends and others. All right, today, you're heading into the weekend. We've got a lot to cover, but first, I do want to tell you we're going to have a really fun coverage live coverage of the debates next tuesday i'll be doing that uh, with Andrea Kay of the Great uh, Answer San Diego also. It'll be at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, 10.30 East Coast time, but it'll be live up there. And I think she and I are going to also put it up on Facebook Live and also over on uh, on uh, Periscope too. But watch for that. It'll be a lot of fun. You know, you get a lot of spin out of Van Jones and CNN or even I'm sure Fox News will be spinning because uh, Chris Wallace is their host this time. But it'll be great. It'll be fun. I hope you'll join us. Uh, again, it's over at the AnswerSanDiego.com. You can listen live. It's going to be really great. All right. Here's what's happening right now, what you need to know. I spent about an hour last night reading uh, the filing in the General Flynn case. And although I was, I want to say I was excited because it made clearer that General Flynn is going to, you know, be free soon. I actually got a sinking feeling. I got a sinking feeling of the reality of what we saw. Yesterday, there was a filing in the General Flynn case by his attorneys based on material they had finally been given by the government that showed that there was, in fact, a coup ongoing. That's what it's called. When when people within a government engineer a coup, that's a, engineer a way to take over and to stop the peaceful transition of power. That's called a coup. Now, it, it really is terrifying how high up it went because it went all the way to Biden and Obama. And in the White House, they were fixing the, the, the documents, fixing the angles to make sure that they could continue to pursue Michael Flynn. What you need to know is this is the worst thing we've ever seen in our American Republic other than assassinations. And maybe there's been worse things that we haven't seen. But if there are, I don't know what it is. This was the president of the United States, the vice president, Biden, others on their team using all the manipulation that they knew how to do and all of the power of the American government to try to take down an elected president. It, it is extraordinary. It's, it's, it's devastating. It's terrifying. And we should all be saying to each other, how can this happen in America? How can this possibly be happening in America? 
And as more and more come out, I did see somebody tweet. I think it was Molly Hemingway. Molly Hemingway is, is becoming a real treasure. Uh, she writes over at thefederalist.com. But Molly Hemingway, I think she wrote, was the one that tweeted something like, inadvertently, Judge Sullivan and the Court of Appeals are becoming very helpful. They're becoming heroes in this saga. Because since they have not allowed it to be dismissed, they've dragged out all this stuff. And we've seen more and more in the open air. And, you know, because they've had to disclose it. And I, I tend to agree. I don't like the, I don't like the torture it's been for General Flynn, but that's a really good insight. But here's another insight uh, that no one is saying. Do you realize now that Joe Biden is the candidate of the people who attempted to the coup on America? And that he really is, as you, you probably thought, he's kind of a stalking horse for somebody. Is he a stalking horse for the far left on policy? Doesn't seem to be. Is he a stalking horse for the big money folks? Maybe. But now you know, he's a stalking horse for all the deep state folks and Obama and, and Susan Rice and others who committed the coup. This is an escape plan, Biden winning the presidency, because they're just now getting caught. That's what's happening here. And here's what you need to know. Here's another part of this that's absolutely amazing to think about. Think about how high up this went, the extent it went, and how many people have been lying about it. And now, one more twist. Have you noticed that in the last few weeks, one of the things that the Democrats have been saying over and over again is that it's the Republicans that don't want to allow the peaceful transition of power. It's the Republicans, Donald Trump, that don't want to, you know, after an election, do what they're supposed to do. This is classic leftist, classic, uh, uh, you know, criminals. They, and, and, and in this moment, this classic of the, of the moment, the broken um, a Democrat party, they project onto other people what they really are. So, for example, they say, oh, no, we were afraid of peaceful transition. You're the ones that didn't allow peaceful transition. Oh, another example that someone said to me, which is a great one. They attacked Kavanaugh for being a, a, a normal person, a good guy. And they said all sorts of things about how he treated women and others. This is what they do. It's what they do in the Me Too movement. Al Franken, Chris Dodd, Ted Kennedy make a list. And the simple fact is we're at the point here where we are actually dealing with people who committed crimes against the government, sedition. I, I, you know, I don't know the elements of these crimes to make sure to look at previous cases and all, but it sure seems like sedition. It sure seems like treason. It's, it seems like something that the penalty for which has to be the most, ex, uh, most, uh, you know, the strongest the, the most likely to to underscore that you can't take because this isn't like they stole, uh, you know, I, I always tell people, Senator Mark Warner of Virginia, he's made hundreds of millions of dollars by working for the Senate. Then he went out, they wrote a law in the Senate when he was a young staffer. Then he went out and used the law that he helped write to make lots of money. That's not technically illegal. It's, it's scummy and it's using the swamp and I hate it. It's not maybe maybe it's not technically legal or Hunter Biden making tens of millions of dollars or whatever he made millions of dollars. People are saying he didn't make all that money. They just invested in his fund. The point is, Hunter Biden wouldn't be qualified to have an investment of billions and millions or whatever it is, except for his dad. That's what that is. But all of that is all that pales in comparison. Those are crimes. They're corruption. They're skeezy. They're what's wrong with America, you know, in the American government. But people that use their office to try to disrupt the election, to try to take down the president. I mean, we've crossed 
a Rubicon that we have never, I mean, again, we may have had this happen, but we didn't see it. Maybe they covered it up. But now we see it blatantly, clearly, outrageously. I'm telling you now, if the if Biden wins, he will cover it all up and we'll never know. In fact, they probably come. They've, some of the left uh, left wingers have been saying they're going to come for all the Trump supporters. They're going to come for people and they'll lose their jobs. They'll lose their livelihood. They'll lose their freedom. Who knows what they'll do? But they'll certainly push this under the rug. I, I mean, again. It's not it wasn't even just Susan Rice. Now, remember, when you read the now recently, almost all of it's uh, been been released of, of her email on the last day in office. She writes this incredible cover your tail email where she says, Obama said, do it by the book. And Obama said, well, I recognize there's nothing to to look at here, but there is a national security. What she's doing is she's laying the predicate to defend herself when someone says, how could you commit treason? Her answer is, it wasn't treason. I was worried about national security. Except we now know the FBI and the DOJ were telling each other and them there isn't anything here. And they were being told, find a way. Don't close the case. Let's see what we can do. Delay, delay, delay. It's extraordinarily bad for America. And it demands an answer. And one answer is that we, we the people, have to get this election to go the right direction. And people have to know what's at stake. That's what's happening. It's extraordinary. I I, I can't I can't tell you how upsetting it is. Again, on one level, it's upsetting because I I care about Flynn and he's a a friend. But on another level, it's just upsetting because the country is, is under assault. All right, last thing, and I'm sorry to get to it only with a minute left of what you need to know. Hey, listen to this. We're going to have a nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court tomorrow afternoon. Um, probably, I think it's 4 o'clock Eastern time in the White House. It's going to be Amy Comey Barrett. She's a nice person, good family, nice lady, very, very smart, very tough. But take this to the bank. When you play big league ball, major league baseball players who play at the highest level, they know what it's like to play at the highest level. And even though I played baseball in high school, I loved it, thought it was pretty good. I don't know what it's like to play in the major leagues. Certainly don't know what it's like to play in Game 7 of the World Series. That's what Supreme Court clerks did and do. And the number of them get that get there are very few. Amy Coney Barrett is ready for Game 7 of the World Series. And ironically, it's going to be October Mrs. October on the Supreme Court by the end of the month, end of the month of October. All right, we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be back. And this, you know, this subject, I did a TV interview earlier today, and I watched, and I wasn't surprised when in a moment, two moments, three moments into it, the Democrats said, President Trump wants chaos. He thinks chaos benefits him. And I said, so I went back and I said, at the end, I said, um, after a person ranted at the end of the rant, I said, well, isn't it the Democrats and the liberals that want the mail-in ballots? Isn't that the single biggest, you know, chaos-creating thing? No, it's not. We have had mail-in ballots for years. Of course, it's true we have had mail-in ballots for years in certain places and small numbers, not built tens of millions of, of ballots. But we needed to get to the bottom of this. So our, our old friend Hans von Spakovsky, who is over at Heritage Foundation, he's the elect, at the Election Law Reform Initiative and also the, a senior legal fellow, wears a bunch of hats over there and has a piece a couple weeks ago now on uh, chaos for November's election. I don't know, Hans, if you were the one <laughs> that used it first. The Democrats, I think, think it works against the president. But, well, first of all, welcome, Hans. How are you? I'm doing just great, Ed. So 
chaos in November. I mean, you, you, you know, your background. You were at the FEC. You've uh, you've been a, a you know litigated and constitutional attorney. What what's your worst case scenario for for November? Uh, my worst case scenario is uh, a repeat of what happened in New York's primary. Um, New York election officials unwisely try to convince everybody to vote through the absentee balloting or mail-in balloting process. So they had a huge increase in mail-in ballots. And the result was, first of all, it took them six weeks to count the ballot because election officials just weren't uh, weren't able to handle it. And second, um, they had huge numbers of ballots rejected by election officials, one in five, if you can believe it, a 20% hmm. disenfranchisement rate. And the reason for it was People make mistakes with absentee ballots, and it's everything from forgetting to sign the ballot to not uh, giving all the information that you, you have to fill out when you send back an absentee ballot to the Postal Service not delivering the ballot in time. And so I can see, uh, one, a huge delay in counting all those mail-in ballots, and two, litigation after the election over ballots that got rejected by election officials. Again, that's what happened in New York. We're talking with Hans von Spakowski. I mean, color me, um, color me, uh, you know, kind of a conspiracy theorist here. But um, here's one thing that's now clearly happening. And, and I think this is not un- not unintentional. Therefore, it's intentional. Uh, a whole bunch of people are filling out mail in ballots for the first time and doing it incorrectly. And then there are norms right. and standards and laws and they're being struck. And so now people are complaining, mostly the Democrats now saying, oh, boy, maybe we should vote in person. Aren't we creating a situation where some people are going to be intentionally voting in person? They've already voted mail in. I mean, and we're never going to catch up. I mean, it, it, it's not like President Trump rolled out a series of of initiatives to do this. It was the Democrats that have sought to do it right. and not in a small way. They haven't done a test in, in you know, Mahungahelan County. They've done all of California, right? Yeah, no, they've been all over the country in every state either trying to convince friendly election officials and friendly Democratic governors and others to say, hey, let's switch an all-mail election, or they have filed lawsuits to try to force it. And I mean, a tip, a, an example of this, I can just give you very quickly, is is they filed a lawsuit in North Carolina to get rid of the security protocols that go with absentee ballots, such as eliminating a witness signature requirement. And guess what happened? Um, the Democratic uh, officials in the state, including the Democratic attorney general, said, oh, sure, we'll override state law. We'll agree to that. And basically, they entered into a consent decree that said, yep, we'll get rid of uh, things like witness uh, requirements. Oh, and by the way, we'll also agree to get rid of our ban on vote harvesting, allowing strangers to pick up ballots. So, Hans, um, what do we do about it? I mean, I've, we've had people on and we've had, um, you know, experts and they say, look, you got to vote. Obviously, you got to go in, in person or however you're going to do it. Take care of that. And then you have to get participate as poll workers. You have to get ready to do that. But it kind of feels like we're sitting here watching the train picking up speed headed down the track. And you can see the track is, you know, is, is broken down the way. And you're thinking, well, um, yeah, this is going here. We can kind of stay on the track. And OK, I mean, what, what are we we're we just going to have to deal with this? Yeah, we are. I mean, there's two main things. One, we need to convince as many people as possible to vote in person. And the people all over the country need to be calling their local county election officials and say, 
hey, you, you need to have my polling place open. I demand the right to be able to vote in person so that they won't shut down the polling places. But second, look, the, we, they, we have to be prepared to litigate after the election to prevent things like folks coming in and saying, oh, well, all those absentee ballots you rejected because they were missing signatures or the signatures didn't match or they came in late. Uh, they're going to come in and say, oh, you've got to count those anyway, and, and we've got to oppose that because that's a way of, of uh, uh, reaching the integrity of the election process. Yeah, and so on election night in three or four jurisdictions, even if one candidate, say Trump wins, you know, going away, in three or four jurisdictions you're going to have uh, counting for two weeks, three weeks, and you're going to have people litigating saying you disenfranchise people, and you're going to have the media cover just that story. Because as you know, Hans, and this is what I tell people, if you run an election, and I ran the St. Louis City Board of Elections for a couple years, you realize it's really hard work, and you have to work hard at both getting the job done, because it's tough to do, and making people feel confident. But there will always be some mistakes and some fraud. In fact, it is fraud. People will vote in the wrong place. They'll Someone in the polling place will say, well, just take this ballot. That is fraud. It may not rise to the level of jail time, but there's always going to be snippets of fraud, you know, cases of fraud. And so if you shine a, a, a magnifying glass on America for about 12 weeks from the time Trump wins until the election day, I mean, until the inauguration day, and say, oh, disenfranchised voters, people left behind, which is exactly what the media wants to do, something to make people crazy. Frankly, it'll work, won't it? Yeah, unfortunately, it will, particularly when we get stories uh, uh, just within the last two weeks. The attorney general of Texas is just filed 134 felony counts against several folks (laughs) in uh, Texas for absentee ballot fraud. And, you know, the Georgia Secretary of State just announced he found a thousand people who in their June primary voted by absentee ballot. And then guess what? Went to their polling place and voted again. Yeah. And and so uh, back to what can we do? Another thing, you know, you learned you were in a position of uh, election sort of authority, FEC, and I did. You talk about it a lot. One of the reasons pe- you, you yeah. talk about it is to get to get people aware of it in a way that will help make it stop, but also get them used to what the problems are and, and maybe addressing it or at least being aware of it. In this case... Maybe that's going to work. I mean, I do think it's important that everybody's been learning about mail-in ballots, and now that now there really are problems with it, maybe people will see the problem. But uh, it, it just feels like we're headed towards a nightmare scenario, and there's not much you can do to change the trajectory. Look, I think that is potentially true. I hope it's not. But one thing along those lines that's positive is, you know, back in March and April, the polling showed that a majority of people thought, oh, yeah, voting by mail, that'll be great. There's no problems. Many of the polls now show that that has switched. The majority of people are now saying, oh, wait a minute. Now I realize that's probably not a good idea. So talking about it, like you say, it is having an effect and is educating the public about it. All right, Hans, I would be remiss because I often think of asking you legal questions. And as an observer of the federal government up close, do you have a reaction to the latest uh, Flynn stuff? I know it's not, you know, you, we're working on the elections and all, but you, you're a lawyer. You've been in the midst of this. The, the newest revelations, you must, like me, read the paper and read the details and just shake your head thinking this can't be happening. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the latest just emphasizes what we have known all along, but this is just more evidence of it that the investigation 
uh, of Flynn was totally bogus. There was no evidence whatsoever that he had uh, broken the law. And in fact, it was a politically partisan witch hunt by individuals in the Obama administration to try to get uh, uh, President Trump's new national security advisor. And, And the fact that the FBI participated in that is just shocking and should shock everyone. It really is. It really is. All right. Hans von Spakowski, thank you for your time, as always, over at Heritage Foundation. He's writing regularly and frequently. It's always worth reading, whether it's on uh, foxnews.com or other places. Thanks, Hans. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll have, I guarantee we'll have Hans back on as we get close to the election. He's the best at understanding what's happening and where we're headed. So although even he sounds like me sometimes, it's just some of these things we're going to face and we just got to get ready for him. So, okay, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Mark Ludwig is with us. Mark Ludwig is uh, the founder and now on the board of the dire- board of directors of an organization that's called Americans for Equal Shared Parenting, AFESP.com, AFESP.com. And um, he'll tell us more about that. He's talked to us before. But, you know, the focus, I would say, is given parents, moms and dads, the opportunity in a system that is often really skewed and screwy uh, to try to get to be parents and to, to have a relationship with their kids, <clears throat> excuse me, and ha- excuse me, and having equal shared parenting, which is sounds uh, intuitively, you know, easy to understand. Why not? Uh, but it turns out a lot of our policy has shifted. And of course, um, Last week, we last week, well, last week, a few days ago, uh, Mark was on the Eagle Countdown with us and in our uh, D.C. office, and we had a long discussion with John Schlafly, and we talked about Phyllis Schlafly's book, Who Killed the American Family, and one of the, the major impacts on the family has been the family court, <clears throat> which has um, done terrible injustices, in my estimation, and others to, uh, to families and parents, and uh, it's just a difficult issue, and I, I salute Mark for stepping up with his organization, Americans for Equal Shared Parenting, to try try to bring the voices of those with concerns together and get them focused. So welcome, Mark. First of all, how are you? Ah, doing great. Thanks for having me, Ed. Well, it's good to have you. And the uh, I, wanted, I wanted to maybe ask you to recount for our listeners is the conver- the beginning of the conversation, at least at the Eagle Countdown a few days ago. People can go to eaglecountdown.com and you can find the whole discussion. But one of the things I was saying is people, you know, the Trump-Prince administration has had policy successes. We call them promises kept. Um, and then I said to you, well, what's one that, you know, in the issues you care about, what's one they've done? Walk us through some of what the Trump administration has done directionally that's positive for you and where they could be going. You know, the one that I like the best, it's a cousin issue of ours. It's not directly, but uh, indirectly it is because it relates to children. And it's with Title IV-E, which deals with CPS and foster children. Uh, In the past, the government has had incentives for placing children in foster care. And it's created a a money-making machine for states to the detriment of children to the point where if a child needed to be taken away from parents for some reason, uh, that child couldn't be placed with grandparents or aunts or uncles because there was no federal incentive for that. So those children were taken away and put in a foster home. Now, they're already traumatized enough because they're not with their parents. Even if there was abuse or neglect, the the children still love their parents. And so to take them away from other family members. So on June 24th, Trump signed an executive order 
uh, allowing some of that funding to go to grandparents or to what they call kinship placements, which is a, mm-hmm. uh, a huge step forward that uh, I'm real excited about. Hmm. And so what, what, would the, what would the future be? What more, what, what's the direction you want to see things go? Well, first off, there, there shouldn't be these incentives, as, as you and I both know. Uh, anytime you start putting money out as basically a bounty, the federal government starts having a, a way to chase the money. And right now, states are receiving what's, what's amounting out to a bounty, basically, for placing children in foster care of four to $6,000 per child placed in foster care and then another 10000 for adopting those children out. And the purpose of the program should be to try and figure out how can we keep these children with their families? Do we need to have some education with the parents? Ironically, the majority of children placed in foster care are not placed there because of sexual or uh, physical abuse. They're actually placed there because the parents don't have the means uh, to be able to support the children. You know, in, in many cases, children, I, I don't know if you remember the case over the summer where an 11-year-old boy was playing in a park and uh, playing uh-huh. basketball, and he got placed in foster care because uh, the mom was late getting home from work and didn't have money to afford a babysitter. And so wow. situations like that, that's not a case of neglect or abuse. That's a, a case of children trying to parents that just don't have the financial means yeah you know uh mark one of the things that's come up and i i get a lot of attention through my uh the listeners to the program and also our podcast and go over to proamericareport.com there and all i get a lot of attention and a very it's been very helpful but it's also really uh, kind of heartbreaking from folks that have had terrible problems with cps and the family courts and these situations and they they tell the stories of what happened you know uh and how unfair it's been it's really heartbreaking and i guess my question to you is <clears throat> is are, are people becoming more aware of this is it helping i mean it feels like if there was more sunshine in this area it would work but maybe i'm wrong maybe there's too much power on the side of the wrong side and it just sort of slogs along well what, what, is it getting better yeah the word starting to get out unfortunately is as you're well aware the main street media seems to gloss over a lot of this uh, now, homeschooling communities are aware of it. Uh, we've had several cases, one pretty famous, two famous ones in Arkansas, where children were taken away from their parents basically for homeschooling. And so the word spread throughout the homeschooling community. But, yeah, we definitely need some more light shown on there. And as Phyllis talked about years ago, there's basically a war on families because the more you can disrupt the family, the more you get people dependent on the government. And so that's why well, that's, with, with yeah. both of my issues, it, uh, it's affected with, with my shared parenting issue and with the CPS issue. It is. Um, yeah. And it's um, I guess here's the thing. Uh, after it's all said and done, what you come back to is you follow the money. Right. I mean, ultimately, the money and the money and the money is coming from the government. So it's government bureaucrats and government uh, uh, values that are sort of carrying the day. That's the problem. Right. Exactly. And as as Bob McCune always talks about the difference between first party transactions and and third party transactions. You know, if I'm going to buy a TV set, 
know, and it's my money. I'm interested in both the quality and the cost of that TV set because it's my money, and I'm going to be watching it. A third-party transaction, you're using someone else's money for something you're not even going to use. And and the best third-party transaction is is the government. They're using other people's money for something that doesn't directly affect them. It's not their kids that they're – so they don't have as much concern. And I'm not saying all CPS workers and all people within the family law industry are like that. Uh, but, it, but still, you, I know myself – I'm very concerned about my own son. I love all kids, but my own son, right. I'll die for. And and right. the government doesn't have that philosophy. It's not their kids they're placing into foster care. It's not their kids that they're looking at. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's it's interesting, uh, you know, Mark, when I have come to your conference, uh, you know, Americans for Equal Shared Parenting, uh, your organization, uh, um, AFESP.com, it, uh, it, the voices in there, they're, they come out of as faces and people as different as, you know, anything in America, right? As sizes, shapes, socioeconomic, colors, every background, man, woman, all. And, uh, and, but the pain, oh my gosh, the pain, as you point out, it's just sort of at the heart of, of a, of a, of a human being, of a, of a man or woman, their, their child, you know, the relationship to their child. And that's why it's so surprising that it doesn't get listened to more. It really does surprise me. It's a frustrating thing. And I guess you're, you, you feel it. So you know it and you, and others feel it so much that you, uh, all you can do is keep going, but it's, it's, it does surprise me. Who, who's the biggest champion of this issue? Who's the biggest champion of this issue on the, on your side in, in the country? Name a, a person, name one person who's the biggest champion. Um, Congressman Andy Biggs from Arizona is the best champion that we have so far in, in Congress, without a doubt. Uh, we, we definitely need Good. a lot more. But but like you said, we do have a uh, it's the only issue I've seen that does tend to cross gender lines, party lines, racial lines, uh, just because it there, there's like a family that develops. If I know someone's been through the issue, you know, I know that they know what it's right. like at five o'clock to not have their kid in their own house with them. Right. Right. There's a bond, a connection. Yeah. All right. What can people do to find out more? Tell them at your website or what else can they do? Tell them, Mark, please. Yeah. Thanks so much. We have a very active Facebook page at Americans for Equal Shared Parenting and then on the web at AFESP.com. There you go. All right, Mark, thank you for what you do and for all your uh, goodness in doing it and, and, and keeping your, uh, well, at least in most of the time I've ever seen you, keeping your, your, your smile on your face and joy in your approach. <laughs> so we appreciate it very much, and we'll be in touch again soon. All right. Thanks again, Ed. I appreciate it. All right, Mark Ludwig, everybody, for Americans for Equal Shared Parenting, AFESP.com. We'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now continuing that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Donald Trump and Joe Biden disagree on a lot of things, but there's at least one issue that they both agree on. America needs to embrace nuclear power as a legitimate solution to our energy needs. Both major candidates see nuclear power as a reliable and carbon-free source of power, yet only 43% of Americans support the expansion of nuclear. What could cause such an unusual situation? It all comes down to one word, misinformation. 
When most people hear about nuclear power, they think of dramatic meltdowns, radioactive waste, and babies born with deformities. A lot of people's expertise on the effects of nuclear power comes from old science fiction movies. But just because Godzilla and Spider-Man were victims of nuclear energy doesn't mean we should be worried about that in the real world. Meltdowns may have been a legitimate problem at one point, but advancements in cool-down technology have made them virtually impossible. Modern Generation 4 nuclear reactors also produce much less toxic waste while generating more power than ever before. In fact, some modern reactor designs are so efficient that they could be fueled by the nuclear leftovers of old reactors. In short, advancements have made the worst sticking points a thing of the past. If you look at other energy sources, it's clear to see that nuclear is the way to go. Fossil fuels like coal and natural gas are comparatively inefficient methods requiring limited resources. Renewables like solar and wind are not reliable because you need sunny and windy days to keep them going. On the other hand, nuclear power generation is consistent, affordable, and totally carbon-free. It's time for Americans to rethink nuclear power. Don't pay attention to the horror stories from science fiction lore. Look at the real science. Advancements in Gen 4 reactors make them the best option for America's increasing energy needs. There's a time and a place for coal, gas, wind, and solar, but we shouldn't take any options off the table. Give Gen 4 nuclear a chance, and I'm sure you'll see just how powerful it can be. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You'll be glad to know the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly continues. Upheld by Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, chairman Helen Marie Taylor, treasurer John Schlafly, a full staff in St. Louis in our nation's capital, and thousands of citizen volunteers, her eagles, across the country. You can be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And we're wrapping things down, heading into a weekend. I just got off the phone a few minutes ago uh, in a break on the program with our great uh, general manager at The Answer San Diego, Steve Brodsky, talking about our plans for the debate uh, the debate breakdown on Tuesday. Uh, next Tuesday, Andrea Kay and I will both be there. Uh, we'll be covering from 7.30 to 9, I think it is, Pacific Time. We'll cover breaking down the debate, which will be covered live right on The Answer San Diego just before that. So you'll want to tune in for that. I think that'll be really fun. Andrea and I have a great time together. We uh, have a great, I think we have a great rapport, and uh, we enjoy each other's insights and company. So I hope you'll tune in and be a part of that. Okay, um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to wish uh, Dr. Ron Paul well. Dr. Ron Paul is a great, great American, incredible leader himself. Of course, he's also the father of Dr. Rand Paul. And today he had a um, some kind of incident. He's been hospitalized. It looks like he's fine. There's a photograph of him in uh, in the hospital with a big smile and all. But um, that's always worrying. He's not. Uh, he's not a kid anymore. He's not a kid anymore. 85 years old. Um, so we wish him well. We'll be praying for him. And uh, we think the world of him. He's I, I've told this story a number of times and I can picture it like it was yesterday in um, 20. Let's see. 2015. There was a Eagle Council gathering in St. Louis. Phyllis Schlafly's Eagle Council. And 
It was uh, wonderfully attended by candidates running for president, including um, Rick Perry, who dropped out of the race that day, which is kind of amazing. Um, and that was a big news. But it was also uh, Mike Huckabee was there, Rick Santorum, a few others. But Rand Paul and came into town. He was running for president, came into town, but he came in for a very special occasion. Dr. Ron Paul was honoring his wife. Uh, She was given an award by the late Phyllis Schlafly, an award she loved to give called the Full-Time Homemaker of the Year Award. And it was given to a, a woman who'd been a homemaker, raised a family and all. And, and usually it was someone who had been sort of well-known uh, because of the, so the the spouse's prominence. And in this case, Dr. Ron Paul was obviously, is obviously such a prominent American because um, by that time, at that point, just two years ago, three years ago, because he'd run for president and he'd been such a leader on so many issues. But um, the fun part about it was Rand Paul gave a speech in honor of his mother, and it was so funny and witty and uh, and tender at the same time. It was just extraordinary. And Ron Paul was there. Uh, I think at least one, maybe two of his other children were there, and he just was a happy man. I mean, if you knew Ron Paul, and I sat with him afterwards, and we went into the uh, sort of, um, it wasn't quite a lobby. It was almost like a receptionary of the hotel at the airport Marriott in St. Louis, a Lambert International Airport right there. It was a kind of a reception area. I guess it was maybe part of the the lounge, the bar there, but it wasn't really. It was kind of extending out. Anyway, we sat for another hour after the dinner, and it just was wonderful. It was a great privilege. Ron Paul is a fascinating man fascinating intelligence and fascinating vision for America that he was able to, um, well, he was able to articulate and then he was able to create a movement. I mean, he created a movement that uh, people uh, uh, related to that was sort of in the heart and the center of the America First um, uh, movement, the America First and the Tea Party and all that. In the middle of that was the Ron Paul movement. And it was uh, pretty, pretty amazing. So, I hope he's getting better. We're praying for him, and we just think the world of Ron Paul uh, and his great career. Okay, one other thing I want to point you to is, do you realize we almost lost focus or didn't even hear about the economy? Um, The economy is still so strong in the U.S. It's so strong, and um, it is coming back. The stock markets, I remember, I always tell you the indices are the importance, but there are, there are indices. Four indices are important, and the direction's important, okay? So the four indices, of course, are the stock market, unemployment, consumer confidence, and small business confidence. Now, look, we're in a pandemic still. It's not perfect. There's a lot of worries. But in general, the direction is very, very good. And the direction, unemployment is coming down, still too high. Uh, The market is solid and getting bigger, stronger. And then consumer confidence is coming back. Now, small business confidence is tougher. We haven't seen a survey in the last month and a half or two. We'll see what we get. It's pretty tough. Uh, But in general, it's going the right direction. And what you have to think is that nothing, the the great pause did damage certain industries. It damaged uh, restaurants. It's, it's damaging restaurants. It's damaging um, the uh, kind of entertainment industry. And those are huge. But in other ways, it hasn't, the economy hasn't, it, it paused. And the economy's jumping back. And I think we're ready, especially as we sort of keep our, our word on China and pull ourselves back from China. We're ready to kind of uh, be stronger and better than ever. Uh, but it's... um. It is a uh, it is a great challenge, and it's one we have to watch. But I think people feel better about it. And my last point is, it's disappeared. 
off the front of the front pages. We had a big jobs number yesterday. Another t- still tough, a little bit better, I guess, than people expected, but still tough numbers. Nobody covered it. I even missed it. Came out yesterday because we're covering the Supreme Court nomination and all the rest of that stuff and everything else that's going on. So it'll be interesting to talk to you on Monday night after the president names his nominee for the Supreme Court uh, later this weekend. I guess tomorrow it'll be tomorrow afternoon. Saturday afternoon. All right, everybody. I hope you got a chance to watch some college football. Forget about the pros. College football this weekend. Have some fun with your family. We'll be back on uh, Monday. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I want to say thank you, as always, to our great technical director, Noah, and to Joanna for helping book our show, and to each of you, our listeners, for listening in. Look forward to talking to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then.